Frank, there's one thing that we love to do, and that is create desktop applications, me and you together. It's true. Oh, oh, I, are, are we losing our cred as mobile developers? But it's I, I've been making desktop apps forever. I, I'm a mobile developer by day job, desktop developer by night. Does that work? What is a mobile developer if not a desktop developer on a device that goes with you, like a laptop? Um, you know, I was going to say the best desktop device I've bought recently was a laptop. So, you know, just saying. Ooh, oh my goodness, Frank, I totally sent back my DTK. Uh, and oh, did I get my credit? Did you send yours in? This is totally, we weren't even going to talk about this today, people, but let's just detract for one second. Did you get your credit? Did it happen? Is it going? Uh, no, because I'm a lazy bum. I printed out the mailing label the very day the email came, and it's been sitting on my counter. There's a pandemic. I don't go outside. You got to do it, Frank. You only have 15 days from right now to get oh, it jeepers. done, or else you're going to lose your all of your apps will be delisted. Okay, you just made it real. Frank. I guess I'm going to the post office tomorrow morning. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm going to see it's, oh, I got it. Apply promo code $501. They gave me an extra dollar, Frank. Oh, that's okay. That's a weird tax thing. I don't know. That's awesome. Did you say on air what you're going to spend all your Apple money on? I don't know. I think a MacBook, MacBook Air. I think that's what I'm going to do. It's awesome. I think so. I think that's what I'm going to do. I mean, the thing is you could just get an Apple Mac mini, but then I just don't have anywhere to put it. I don't have any you know, monitors to plug it into. I just don't want to. I think the MacBook I'll actually use because I have the old MacBook 2013 and that's just going to go kaputs pretty soon. So uh, I think that's what I'm going to do. I don't think I'm going to max it out quite to your level. I want to keep it in the realm that I'm not spending too, too much, but I did turn it in. I got my credit. You have to go back to the same page that you got earlier. It's quite weird. So, but that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, uh, and I should say my laptop has been in clamshell mode pretty much the entire time I've owned it, but I'm sure I will be traveling once again and actually need a mobile computer. So if you want to just get the mini, if you're listening, just go get the mini. It's fine. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Ah, all right. Um, we both make desktop applications. They are mobile applications. In fact, half of the time now, mobile applications will just be the application on a desktop <laughs> because with... With Matt Catalyst shipping with .NET 6, Frank. Right. .NET 6 Preview 2. Can you believe I still haven't installed it? But yeah, this is a version that has Catalyst support. Is there IDE support for it? There can't be IDE support for it. This is like command line stuff? Everything is command line. I just did a video yeah. today on, <laughs> on my YouTube um, as of day recording, which is um, walking through .NET MAUI and both iOS and Android on .NET 6 Preview 2. So I walked through it. I was only did it on Windows, but there is support from Visual Studio, at least on Windows and Mac, to do iOS and Android on .NET 6, but not .NET MAUI yet. And there is VS Code support for Android, but not iOS yet. And then everything else is command line. So basically what I'm saying, Frank, is everything is command line. <laughs> yeah, I, I was imagining so. Um, I'm still excited, though, because this release also has M1 support. Mm. I don't know how thorough that support is, but I can't wait to find out because uh, I think I've complained in the past. Um, the Rosetta going through a JIT can be a little bit slow. I love you, Rosetta 2. You are amazing. 
but you're a little bit slow when doing both of those things. So I'm excited to get some M1 versions of .NET. Totally. I'm excited to bundle up some of my iOS applications into to Catalyst, upgrade to .NET MAUI. I, I'm really thinking that um, you know my my cadence will be a great great way of doing it. A lot of people plug their their laptops into their TVs to do exercising. I think Island Tracker will be good um, to put over. I think those will be really, really great. I'm, I'm excited just to kind of see how it goes going forward. But, you know, the one part of this, you know, desktopification of applications um, and just building desktop applications in these sandboxes, if you will, because when you think of UWP or even Mac apps that you put into the app store, they're sandboxed to some extent, you know, and just like Apple and Google have put restrictions on apps that you put on your phone, both, you know, Microsoft and, and Apple for to certain extents have put a little bit more limitations on the desktop applications. They want their desktops to be super performant. And I know one issue that I ran into on both Windows mm -hmm. and on Mac um, in this sandbox mode was um, with my stream timer. You know, my stream timer is an app that just counts down and writes to disk. But the biggest issue I ran into was that when the user starts the countdown or count up, it will set off a bunch of processes that will be running and counting down and starting every second writing a file to disk. But if the user puts the application into the background, like into the background of an application, like behind applications or minimizes it, the operating system suspends the application, Frank. Um, so what I had to do in the most recent version is kind of to the maximum extent I could disable minimization on Windows. I just, you can't. On Mac, you can. Um, and then also on Mac, I can make it above, like go above everything. And I think I did that on, I don't know, did I even do that on Windows? Everything is different and everything is really complicated basically yeah. is what I've what I found. Um, and on Windows, I use this extended execution model. It's basically, they don't want you to do what I'm doing, but I want to do it, Frank. Right. <laughs> and, I, you know, of all the apps you've written, James, this is the app I use constantly every week. Oh, every no. time I do my Twitch stream, I'm using uh, my stream timer. Good. And this has got to be the worst part of the app is how the app is always in the foreground because yes. of some weird technical reason. You know, it's a weird technical reason. It's always in the foreground. Um, you know, and I remember when you released that and I remember thinking back to a WWDC years and years ago, but it was all cloudy and foggy. But I remember Apple being very proud of how much the kernel is now going to start descheduling apps. And this isn't just sandboxed apps. This is any old app that just happens to be not updating its UI and just kind of chilling in the background there doing a background task, basically. And they are super aggressive about it. Now, you were getting suspended, you said. I, I wasn't witnessing that, but I wrote an app to train neural networks. Mm. And that takes a while. <laughs> and it was like the app would be doing great. And then I would start, you know, like reading Twitter or something. And I would notice it slow down. And then I would click on it and it would speed up again. 
And then it would slow down again. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then I remember back to WWDC and thinking, oh my goodness, they are depowering me and feeling very betrayed. Yeah, that that I, I didn't experience that, but I I I did experience I experienced a pause. Basically, the application would just pause. It would go in the back and it wouldn't slow down. It wouldn't speed up. But, you know, OBS is sitting there reading this file and it would just not update. And then I would bring it to the foreground and it would update right away. And of course, it saves everything. So it's not terminating the app or memory. It's just stopping long running processes from doing it. And, and, and I mean, to be honest with you, this makes sense because, you know, <laughs> if someone minimizes an application, you don't want it to be hogging up the RAM and doing a bunch of stuff, right? When I minimize edge or Chrome or Safari, I want it to do away with memory, get, you know, and, and, and purge where possible, where it possibly can. And when I bring it back up, it should be delightful. Um, you know, even though I have 64 gigs of Ram, it should be, you know, I don't, I don't want it to use everything. And, uh, and, and the system is good. In fact, right now, if you bring up, at least on Windows, you can bring up um, the process manager, everyone's favorite task manager. Mm -hmm. And if as you scroll down, you'll just see a bunch of things suspended, just suspended, suspended, suspended. And that's how I found it is like I would open my stream timer and then I'd minimize it. And then I'd see this little green little leaf <laughs> come on up. And I'm like, huh, what does that mean? Huh. Huh. And it says this UWP process group is suspending processes to improve system performance when you hover over it. And I didn't have this problem when it was WPF because WPF is done whatever I want, Frank. It just said, <laughs> wow, it's whatever. You know what I mean? But UWP being this great app model and a lot of benefits that come with it starts to enforce this a little bit more. Yeah, if you had poked me, I would have said it was somewhere around like Snow Leopard or Lion when all these power considerations came in. And for good reason, like you said, this is a good thing because on laptops, it's what's giving us our battery life on laptops is that everything gets descheduled. And that's just how I think of it because I hooked up um, Xcode's Instruments Performance Profiler to it eventually, mm. and I would just watch it. And you could see there's all my background threads burning away, <laughs> using up all that wonderful leaf energy that you have. And then they would just stop. And then they would pulse for one second and then stop. Pulse for one second and then stop. And that was the operating system basically just saying, nope, I'm not going to schedule you right now because I'm saving power. And it's not even, yeah, it's crazy, huh? It's not even just a it's it's mostly a CPU thing, I think. Yeah. And I think it's going to happen even more with the M1s, especially where you have the high performance cores and the low performance cores. So I'm sure the operating system is going to be switching you around between the speedy ones and the slowy ones. That that makes sense. Yeah. And and you know, as time has gone on, I think you've seen this a lot with with iOS too, right? The benefit of iOS is that when somebody clicks the home button or swipes up to put your app into the background, mentally, it's a different model. You are you have been trained in the world of mobile app development to understand that pretty much everything stops at that point. Because if you're running animations, if you're processing stuff, it's just, yeah, and you're good, right? 
Um, and if you're going to do long running processes, there's been an API built in to, to Android and iOS and even Windows to do long running processes. For example, let's say you're going to upload a, uh, a file, upload a video. There's background worker processes that can be smart. And they're so good nowadays, by the way, especially the, the, the Google one is really good on Android. The background uh, job scheduler, work work manager, there's like eight, they've, they've changed it like 20 times. But you can say, you know, run this process when there it's plugged into power and it's on Wi-Fi and it has above 50% battery and, and it'll figure out all the bits and pieces and let you run as much or as little as, as it needs you to, um, in, in that, in that, in that vein. However, you know, that while is a great API, when I started development 10 years ago, Frank, back in my day, you could just set up a, a service worker and you could just do whatever you want on Android. Just, eh, just go to town, just do as much processing as you want. And that's what apps did. And then your phones got slow. iOS, I think, was always pretty clamped down, right? From the very beginning. Yeah, they flat out did not allow background tasks until, I can't even remember. iOS five, six. Is that it? Three, was it that late? Four. After two? I don't yeah. know. It's been so long. I realized brain cells Three GS? Four? iPhone four, maybe? I three GS? like it was, it was three or four time. The, the tricky part is iPad came out with iOS 3.5. So I don't remember if they had it or not. I don't think they had it. So like maybe four or five. Yeah, somewhere around there. And you're talking about that Android. I'm like, God that's glorious. That is not how it works on iOS. On iOS, you set a flag in your info plist file that says, hey, 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 Apple, um, I would like to do a little background fetching. It's just just me, just doing a little fetching. Just just want to fetch some things. Just fetching. And just fetching, just fetching Apple. And uh, so if you're lucky, they will execute you to do a little fetching from time to time. If you touch anything on the UI, they will throw you down, slam you, crash you very hard. If they will tell you how long you're given, if you go over that time, they crash you. Um, if you use too much memory, they'll crash you. They'll crash you under pretty much any circumstance they care about. But it's kind of fun because we were talking about how that mentality has um, covered all the software right now. I just assume all my software can crash at any time. So it's fine. Uh, the the tricky part is they use user heuristics to tell how often to um, actually execute you. And that's a poor phrasing. I apologize. They but, ex- uh, execute it, a process method <laughs> you. in your application. <laughs> that you wrote, we, yes. <laughs> I knew what you were talking about, correct? They do not literally kill your you or your application, but your, your application, they trigger a callback function that does something long running yes that's right. better so that is the very, very well phrased james you, you should get a podcast yeah i should get so, a pod- one of those i want to get one of those newfangled podcast things talk on those yeah. i'm in well so that is the background fetch thing but there is another thing going on where if you were to do a long-term process like you're talking about you were supposed to start a I forget what the actual thing is called, but like a background task, a signal to the operating system that I'm doing something long. And the neat thing there is if someone puts your app into the background, it won't immediately get descheduled. They'll actually let you keep running that background thing up to certain time limits. And, you know, you're not allowed to break the time limits, all that kind of stuff. But that was your um, that was always your 
I've already put 10 minutes into this operation. I don't, <laughs> I only have one minute left. Just let me finish kind of stop gap. Yeah. There's something in, um, but it's inside of my media plugin that I haven't updated in forever, but it is UI application shared application, a begin background task. And then you have to end the background task and do stuff basically from my understanding. And that's what would tell it to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And th that's pretty cool. The thing is that doesn't really exist on Mac <laughs> so that I, I had a vague memory of that. I had a vague memory of that WWDC, but I just couldn't put it together. I'm like, how in the world am I going to find this? And so I just kept searching Google, like app keeps slowing down in background. And it turns out there's just no good results for any of that. Or my Google foo was way off. The actual big tell that you get is on Stack Overflow. People notice sometimes their NS timers stop firing. And that's when they start doing hacks, like forcing themselves to be in the foreground constantly so that their NS timer stops going. But I wasn't satisfied with that, so I kept Googling. Kept Googling, and you landed on our sponsor this week, webadams.in. Webadams, listen, do you like TypeScript and JavaScript? And you want to write a mobile application? Or you want to put a little TypeScript, JavaScript into your Xamarin Forms application? That's where WebAdams comes in. They are basically JSX and TSX for your Xamarin Forms applications, enabling you to even hot reload your application in production because it's web technology. You can interop between your C Sharp and your XAML and your TypeScript and your JavaScript using MVVM, data binding, all things that you know and love. So leverage all of that amazing code that you already know and start integrating it into your mobile applications today. What's really cool about Web Atoms is you can explore everything in the browser. Frank, I just opened up a SQLite demo where I am learning about how I can use their SQLite service and a SQLite connection to open a database. Seems like something I just did with SQLite-net and execute SQLite commands. I'm doing it all from the power of C Sharp, but communicating with TypeScript. It's kind of really cool. I am writing TypeScript over here inside of my Xamarin Forms application. It's bananas. Go to webatoms, W-E-B-A-T-O-M-S dot I-N, or find the link in the show notes below and check out webatoms for all the really cool stuff that you can do with the power of web and native mobile applications. Webatoms dot I-N. Thanks to webatoms for sponsoring this week's pod. <laughs> Thanks, Web Adams. That was an amazing transition, and it's it's worthy of their amazing software because yes. blending the web and native mobile like that is insane. So you decided, Frank, that it wasn't good enough to do what my stream timer does, which is be a terrible application and always on top. You said, I'm going to dig, 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 and you found? I found NS Process Info. My old nemesis. Da -da -da. <laughs> well, it took a while, James. I'll be honest, because like the Google wasn't working. So I just went into the Apple Docs and I started with NS application, NS application delegate, NS workspace. Did you know there's an NS workspace? I didn't. <laughs> I did not know. <laughs> no, it's there. <laughs> then there's like, uh, there's even one other. And I just kept looking through every option. Finally, NS process info. Finally. There is a function on it called begin activity and end activity. And you know what you can pass in that function, James? A beautiful, beautiful enum that says things like, don't turn off the display. 
don't suspend me. Don't suspend anything. There's actually a lot of flags in here. It's actually really powerful and scary what you can do with this thing. As you read the docs, it's just full of these like, hey, look, uh, some of these flags mean you're just going to make the computer use more power. But as long as, uh, you know, we're doing this for the users, we have a way out, James. Finally, a way out. You know, I fight for the users. So um, <laughs> it definitely makes sense. This is really cool. I see flag required the screen stay powered on, prevent idle sleep, prevent sudden termination, automatic termination, uh, that the user initiated it, that the a user initiated allowing idle system sleep. Flag to indicate mm-hmm. the app is performing a user requested action, but that the system can sleep on idle. No, actually probably, yeah, maybe. Activity background, flag to activity, the app has initiated some kind of work, but not as the direct result of a user request. Oh, this is a cool one, check this out. Activity latency critical, a flag to indicate the activity requires the highest amount of timer and IO precision available. Oh, I'm totally going to do that. <laughs> no, they, they say that's only for like uh, video and audio apps oh. where like real time is really important. Though I am tempted to turn it on for iCircuit 3D. <laughs> is, so if I do it for iCircuit 3D, you can do it for my stream timer. This, this says important. Very few applications should need to use this constant. That's what it says. That means somebody yeah. introduced this and uh, they really regret their decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so the docs talk about this as basically, well, there's two big operations. It's either a background operation or a user uh, activated one. Mm-hmm. So in the case of your app, you're a user activated one. Someone's pressing a start button. Uh, but they give the example a background one might be indexing files or... I don't know. What do you, what do we do in the background? We check for Twitter updates, yeah. <laughs> you know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, the stuff you're just doing there. But the, the one that's actually the most powerful is that user one, because by default, that's going to turn off a lot of these things. And you went through them pretty quickly, but the big ones are, can the monitor stay on and off and can the computer stay on and off, you know, can the uh, system sleep or not? And those are the big decisions that you get to make. Like for my neural network one, I don't care about the monitor. The monitor can turn off all it wants. What I want to prevent is my app or my process from sleeping and the system from sleeping until it's done. For yours, I think you're roughly in that neighborhood too because they're all streaming. It's not like they're mo- if their monitor turns off, it's not going to kill your app either. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm sure that OBS probably already has a bunch of these flags set on Mac anyways and they're playing games or you're doing stuff. I don't want my application to be the reason that your computer yeah. <laughs> turns because if your computer turns off or goes to sleep, that's your fault. It's not my application's fault. So I'm assuming the beautifully named, the longest one, NS Activity User Initiated Allowing Idle System Sleep would be the one I want to go to. Uh, yeah, probably. You you want to allow... The system can sleep, right? Yeah, no, yeah, it's just whether you're, you should allow the screen to. Absolutely, I agree with you, yep. <laughs> so, okay, let, let me tell you why I was suspicious of that one. I have a fancy external GPU mm-hmm. attached to this computer. Mm. And it's so fancy that if I'm running a workload on it and the computer goes to sleep, the kernel panics and shuts down the computer. <laughs> mm. That's how fancy it is. So there, I have this really annoying issue. If I ever leave anything training on that uh, 
on that thing and the computer falls asleep, guess what? There go all my apps. There goes everything. So I am very much interested in keeping the uh, system awake for myself. So I am not doing that one. I am keeping the computer awake until it is done. You will finish your job, Mr. Computer. So did you test this out? Did it actually work? It works. Yeah. Whoa. I mean, that was the big question, right? Like, yeah. you know, just because an API says something doesn't mean anything. Um, there is a difference between user initiated and background. So if I flagged it as background, I would still get descheduled just mm -hmm. as before. But as long as you're flagged as user-initiated, which actually, if you look at the enum, is actually a combination of a lot of different flags. It's kind of the one that gives you the most options, the user-initiated uh, activity. Uh, once you have that one, it works beautifully. Now, I didn't test your app. Your app's open source, isn't it? I guess it I could have. Mm -hmm. hmm. yeah. It's there. Well, I, I didn't. Have, <laughs> I have, a, I have a, a little Boolean um, setting that I actually allow the user to turn on and off, stay on top in the latest version. It's on by default, but it seems as though with this, I could turn it off by default and then say, hey, if you're running into issues, turn on, stay on top, which is actually screensaver mode. That is a fun fact for all of our listeners is that if you want your application to stay on top, screensaver mode, which doesn't actually make any sense, Frank, at all. Insert the largest groan I can possibly produce. Talk about using the operating system API, not how it was intended. You're flagging your app as a screensaver so that you can write a text file every second. Yep, that is correct. That is what I do, Frank. That is what I okay. do. Okay, just checking. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> my app is a screensaver, Frank, and it's great and it counts down. No, nope. <laughs> don't believe me. No. Um, I did have to be careful in my code. I don't know how good of a coder you are, but I can Not be good. a little bit, I can be Not a little good. bit sloppy with my air handling. So, uh, they make it very clear that if you go and enable these privileges, you better tell the operating system when you're done. So in the .NET world, that basically means try finalies over any code where you use this. It'd be kind of neat, I guess, to get like an iDisposable version. Then we could use using to do all this. Mm, have to add that to uh, Xamarin Essentials. I guess the question is, let's say the user wants a timer to run for two hours. Is it okay if it just goes for two hours? Yeah. Okay. Because especially because like you're allowing the screen to turn off if they walk away. Like mm. your use case is that they have OBS running. You are not doing anything to that computer that OBS isn't doing. 10 billion times worse that's true like you're i assume you're using a timer and you don't have like a hot loop <laughs> checking every microsecond whether the timer has expired Maybe. you are not hurting that <laughs> you no. better not <laughs> no i would no. i would i would now need to figure out here's the conundrum is i now need to figure out when no timers are running because you can have four timers yeah. running so, so you could technically do an activity per timer, or you'll have to make your code more complicated and figure out when there's timers and when there's not timers. Oh. Yeah. So you have to figure out your begin and end criteria. Got it. Oh, does it return a act? Uh, oh, it return yeah. It returns an object. So you can do multiple activities, ah. which is actually suggested. So anytime you're doing a big, long activity, 
this is how they want you to use this API. They this don't, is great. They understand that people don't want to be dethrottled constantly. Yeah. So anytime you have a long running thing, they recommend doing this. Now though, they even say though, uh, this does not apply to the UI thread. And I noticed this in my app. Uh, just on a whim, I started training models on the UI thread, and I never got dethrottled. So it's really only background threads that you have to worry about this stuff for, which includes like tasks and C sharp tasks and timers because timers run on tasks. So that makes sense. Yeah. So I, this is great because my code is already architected to have individual view models. So there's literally a button that says start and stop and pause, and I can do all that. That's amazing. I'm totally going to try this out. And finally, finally. Finally, at least on Mac. I don't know about Windows yet. If anybody knows the magical <laughs> secret sauce for getting it to work on Windows. I tried everything. I I got it really good. I'm pretty sure I got it so the application doesn't have to be the forefront, but just doesn't have to be minimized, I think. Mm. I'm not mm. positive. I don't know. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm, and I'm still confused about how exactly this works with iOS, especially in regard to... Um, the background activities that exist in UI kit, it's a little bit confusing because this is on NS process info, a very old type that's been around forever since foundation. Um, but because it's an iOS, it's in Mac catalyst too. So who knows? I imagine I'm just going to start doing this for anything that I think is going to take more than, and I should say just from my own observations, the OS would dethrottle me after about 45 seconds. I have no idea if that's normal. You know, this is Big Sur. Yep. It's an Intel Mac. I don't know. Uh, but after about 45 seconds, I have no idea how that plays out on iOS. Yeah, I noticed it was about a minute or so, 30 to 90 seconds or so on on my stream timer. That was for sure uh, on, on what it was doing. But it, it also depended. I think there was a lot of dependencies on like sure. when, when that was happening. But that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Isn't it like chaotic? You're just so it was driving me a little bit nuts because I was working on the performance of the neural network trainer. And it's tricky with neural networks because you need to feed the GPU as much data as you can. And so you want to prefetch data. You know, you want to like pull things off of the network, pre cache them, and then start feeding them to the GPU. And the network can be kind of slow and finicky. So the, the app would keep slowing down. I'm like, well, that's just my network acting up. And the number of times, James, I just left it running in that like super slow down state and didn't realize it. And just then hours and hours that I've wasted because I didn't know about this thing. Anyway, that's my, I'm hoping anyone out there running apps for Apple that have long background tasks, please look up this API and use it. There you go. There you go. And if anyone knows anything equivalent on Windows or just wants to do a pull request to my stream timer and fix all of it, that'd be <laughs> much appreciated. Links in the show notes below. But that is going to do it for our desktop adventure. Stick tuned after. Stay tuned after the credits because we're going to buy a Mac. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in this week. Go to MergeConflict.fm to learn all the things. Thank to our Patreons who get weekly bonus episodes and this episode and every episode early Go to patreon.com slash mergeconflict.fm to learn more. We super appreciate every single one of you. And of course, every single one of you that are listening to this podcast today, we love all of you. Definitely make sure that you subscribe and give us a review if that's humanly possible. 
Um, if you got some spare moments, that would be super appreciated. But that's going to do it for this week's Emerge Conflict. So until next week, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. All right, Frank. So I'm on apple.com slash shop slash buy Mac slash MacBook Air. There's hyphens in there. So you might as well just go to the website and click. I, I, I'm racing ahead. I'm, I'm going to get there. MacBook Air. Air. Are we really doing this? Are you actually going to buy this thing? Well, I'm going to put it in the cart and then have a conversation and do a thing. Um, so, okay. This is what First I don't. choice. I don't quite understand. I don't know why they, why do they even give you two options? It's kind of upsetting in a weird way because if you look at this, you're like, okay, there's an Apple M1 chip with an eight core CPU and seven core GPU for 999 or eight core and eight core GPU with double the storage for $1,249. Like, right. is that one extra core GPU worth it? So I would say if you're doing neural networks, every little ounce counts. If you're not, uh, no, I'm sorry. The other use case is if you're going to hook a million monitors up to this thing. Hmm. But if you're just going to hook one monitor up to it and you are not training neural networks, you are fine with the seven core GPU. Okay. Because it's only, so here's the thing is if you were to upgrade the SSD that extra core is fifty extra dollars. That's actually how much it costs. Is fifty dollars? Yeah, they're they're terrible like that. So you might as well get it. It's what do they call that in marketing? That like middle item where they try to upsell you to the expensive yeah. item. The question is, do you think that the base model nine nine nine, eight gigs of RAM, two five six gigs of storage, mm -hmm. is good or no? The 256 gigs of storage is a little tight for me. Yeah. Um, I feel like the 8 gigs of okay. RAM is also tight. <laughs> well, that's the problem. Like, you can't have both of those be tight, like, because you're going to be swapping with 8 gigs of RAM. So you're going to need lots of swap space. I would rather have, I would say, more RAM than hard drive because you can cloudify most things nowadays. Hmm and therefore keep less data on the computer. So I guess just being programmers and we're generally running really memory-hungry apps. <laughs> yeah, because now we're looking at... So really, what's, it's... What's the RAM upgrade cost? 200 $200. It's everything's $200. So the, so hard drive is 200 and RAM is 200 well, That's Ugh. correct, yeah. Ugh. So I, one or the other. Wh which way are you leaning? I don't think I'm just going to go both, I guess. I oh, mean, no. <laughs> that's, that's the problem is like, you know, to they the point, you. Like, we all know to, to, you know, I don't know. It's tricky. 256 is doable. I, I, think, I, I think certainly had a computer with it before. I think then you can get into the camp. If you do 256, you can do the base model with memory, keep 256. And now you're saving $250. And that's pretty decent, I think. Yeah. What are you going to do with this thing? It's just going to be a build server, right? <laughs> it's, uh, I'm going to install, there we go. See, I'm going to install Visual Studio for Mac and I'm going to install Xcode. So that's about what, 180 billion gigs. So um, let's see, what is Visual Studio is currently taking up 2.4 gigabytes. 
Dropbox is using up one gigabytes. Um, Xcode's like Xcode seven hundred meg. That's not true. There's not a project open. There's nothing open. (laughs) Oh, like on disk storage, right? So you got to go into your little. Oh, on disk Xcode is giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I ran out of hard drive. I think I think you need the sixteen gigabytes of memory, but I think you can live with two fifty six gigabytes SSD. But I think you got to be willing to not have any of your Dropbox stuff constantly clean out your folders, right? And you just got to put cloud mode for all your data syncing apps. Exactly. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. But you just bought your, you just bought, here's the test. You just bought your MacBook air, Frank, Mm -hmm. go, go into your little Apple icon, go into your little thing and then tell me what, how much storage you have left. (laughs) It's asleep. We'll see if it wants to wake up. It's been kind of a little cranky in clamshell mode lately. What did that? Okay, give me one moment. Waiting for Frank. Because then, so as, as we wait for Frank, because then we're really looking at $1,200 minus $500, $700. That's not bad. That's a good deal. What that number is, did you want now? <laughs> I want you to go into the system memory one. I want to know how much space you're using on your computer. Apple, about my computer. Mm-hmm. I thought you said this computer using... was fast, Frank. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to do math in my head. I am using 289 gigabytes. So more than what I would be buying. <laughs> what am I doing? What's on this thing? That's what I ask I... myself whenever I open up my MacBook. I have 512 on the 23rd. <laughs> this thing is like I'd be buying a laptop in 2021 that yeah. has less storage than my MacBook from 2013. You were trying to do this bargain basement. You're, 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 are you trying to build a power machine here, or what well, you- how? Do, why does eight gigs of RAM cost two hundred dollars? Yeah, That's too it's much. Just gross marketing. It's just I, how it works. I, you know, I upgraded this computer here with an additional thirty-two gigs of memory for two hundred dollars. Now that seems like a good deal, but anyways, mm-hmm. um. Okay, I think I'm going to go with this. I'm going to go with it because it's not really 256 SSD of active storage. That's the other thing, right? Um, Man. I don't know. If you've made it this far, leave comments on the show or hit me up on Twitter. What should I buy for my MacBook Air? Are you giving up? Did I fail? Uh, yes, you failed and you've not recommended me at all. And that's where we're going to end this podcast with Frank failing me yet again. I'm sorry, everyone. I'll try to get him to spend money next time. <laughs> no, you're great. You're great. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I um, hope this was fun. And I'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.